When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Muscov and alongside me as usual is Anya Castle, United Editor Aaron Stokes. It's time for the Monday show coming up. On this week's episode, we'll talk Callum Wilson and the news that the striker could potentially be out for six weeks. Does this change Aaron's mind about the need for a quality striker to sign in January? We'll also have a look at this week's Premier League vote, which could see the banning of loans between associated clubs. Is it the right move or is it an unfair attempt from some clubs to stop Newcastle United strengthening? And that'll lead us nicely on to the main part of the show, where myself and Aaron will look at some of those players who have moved to Saudi Arabia and who United could potentially turn to. This is the Munda Show on the Everything is Black and White podcast. Please like, follow and share the episode. Let's get on with the show. Afternoon, Aaron. How are we doing? You had a good weekend? Yeah, good. Uh, I think just before we start the podcast, we should maybe put the fans and the listeners' minds at ease that we haven't had a big bust up and we aren't warm with each other the boxing gloves aren't out I had a lot of messages I know you had a lot of messages last week asking if we were alright after that feisty episode and it was just a good clean friendly debate wasn't it yeah it's good to see we don't always agree but yeah I was around uh, my parents last night having a bit of Sunday dinner and my mum came over and she said are you and Aaron alright <laughs> I watched last week's episode and it got a bit feisty I said look we don't uh, agree all the time uh, but yes, it was it was a we've had some really good feedback actually on that, and so thank you guys for getting in touch, and we, we're glad it created a little bit of a debate, which we'll continue to run through this week's episode as well. But yeah, I've had a I've had a, an interesting weekend, I had a lovely calm Saturday, and then I realised I lost my wallet, so I was scrapping around all Saturday while people were out in the pubs and the clubs having a nice evening, and I was fretting, gonna have to freeze my cards and all that. But thankfully, we've got some nice people. Um, up in a little eatery that we, we visit and someone handed it and everything was there. So it restored my faith in humanity. Well, just for a little bit of background, people that are watching and listening, Andrew also lost his wallet a couple of weeks ago um, and was out that we were without it for a couple of days or yeah. a week or so. And it was actually in this podcast studio. Um, that's usually the first place you would look given how much time you're spending. Yeah. It was. But you know, that's the that's the pitfalls of modern technology. No one needs a wallet anymore. It's all on your phone. Yeah, but exactly. uh, if you are watching the person who we, it was Wheelbergs and Stocksfield, thank you very much for handing it in. It was much appreciated. I have to say as well, I'm like a, a walking zombie today because my little baby daughter decided last night would be the first night that she wouldn't sleep all the way through. And she's done this thing now where she's constantly making noise. Like she's happy, but constantly making noise. So I can just hear that running through my mind and I'm very, very tired. Although... Uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, the joys of parenthood, isn't it? Certainly is. And, you know, we're going to continue with some joys in this episode. And we'll dive straight in. Callum Wilson, it's understood, will be missing at least the next month after picking up yet another hamstring issue. 
As we know, it came in the Champions League game with Dortmund a few weeks ago, but now it looks like a little bit more than just a tight hamstring. Firstly, that news for Callum in Newcastle, given the run of games to come, it, it, it's hard to take. Yeah, massively. Um, I think you look at how well Wilson's been playing this season and it's you know just another blow that we probably knew was coming some point down the road does make it any easier to swallow. Um so yeah, big, big blow. You know, thankfully Alexander Isaac back is gonna be a huge, huge boost for Newcastle United. Um but again it just means that we have to sit here and talk about my least favourite subject, and that is the striker debate. But um yeah, huge blow. And I and I feel sorry for Wilson because he's obviously missed out on that first Champions League game, didn't he? He's missed out on a couple now. He got taken off at half time against Dortmund. Um He probably won't kick another ball in the Champions League. Yeah, well, come on. We need to be a bit more positive than that. They can still get someone at PSG and still get someone against Milan and go through to the knockouts. So let's be positive. Um, but yeah, very much potentially, maybe. Um, I guess, as you say, you do feel a little bit sorry for Callum because it keeps cropping up. You know, We know what a prolific number nine is. I've just done a video in which I've listed the best number nines since Alan Shearer and he's got the number one spot because he is that good, 45 uh, goals in 96 games. Interestingly, he hasn't scored uh, a goal outside the Premier League for Newcastle, which is a little uh, a nice little start there. The point being, though, is that when Callum Wilson picks up injuries, yes, it's devastating for him. Yes, we're good because we want to see him get a really nice run of uh, games without picking up anything. But the reality is it's expected, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, I don't think anybody's surprised. And... I know we're probably going to touch on this a little bit more, but I've been, and it's probably a question that you can answer better than me. Are we becoming sort of tired of how often Callum Wilson gets injured? Because I think last time was the first time last week I've heard you on this podcast talking about the need to maybe, you know, take a little bit of importance off Callum Wilson's shoulders, given his injury record. Gibble wrote a very good column at the weekend about how undoubtedly if he stayed fit, he would be one of Newcastle's best ever number nines. But... You know, we cannot, can't rely on them. And I think a lot of fans in um, response to the podcast we did last Monday have actually... they Look, they haven't been giving Wilson stick, but I think a lot of them are now coming around to the theory that, OK, maybe it's time to start, you know, lessening his, his yeah. impact. I don't think anyone's giving him stick. I think the overwhelming feeling is you feel for him. You know, there's, there's, there is a feeling of sympathy for him, but I do think this is probably the beginning of the end for Callum Wilson in many ways. I think people are now... The, the, the problem of his injuries, it, it, it's become too much of a problem. And I think it's going to come to a head where you are questioning his long-term future. Um, now, obviously, last week we had the debate and it was heated, uh, <laughs> to say the least. And just to recap, I put forward the theory that Newcastle United need to go and sign a proper quality striker, not only to fill in, but to actually be first choice at the very least ahead of Callum Wilson. I think there's a degree to say they could actually rival Alexander Isaac. To clarify, I wouldn't get rid of Callum Wilson. He'd be like a backup and managed right. I think he could still play his part in, in, in many games. But I do think the news of his injury reaffirms my belief that Newcastle United do need another striker. I'm, I'm assuming your mind hasn't changed. No, I'll, I'll, I'll hold my hand up and say I, I've changed my mind slightly, but I don't think I'm going to completely agree with you. I think it, it's now more of a priority than it was in the summer when I was, you know, hiding my head under the covers and saying, no, we don't need another striker. I think it definitely is. I still stand by the fact that I think with a run of games and a lot of time that Anthony Gordon could strive there. Um, 
It's certainly been bumped up my priority list is what I'll say. But I think on the type of striker I would go for is I think where me and you are going to differ again. Hmm. I've got a few names because I know you you pressed me last week and I couldn't come up with a list, but I've come up with a list. Uh, Andrew Carter says he likes Wilson, but always long-term um, is his issue. And he says that's now gone. The, um, I, I think, like we say, I think, I think the, the, the question over Callum Wilson is quite interesting because I don't think he's going to be the only one in which his future comes up for discussion in the next couple of seasons, two or three years. And I do wonder whether Newcastle United fans are going to face a dilemma of sentimentality with certain players. You know, you could throw in, for instance, Jacob Murphy, maybe Miguel Almiron, people will throw at me. And I think the the, the, the project where, where Newcastle United want to go, I think they're going to have to face some difficult questions, at least the fans, in terms of, you know, these players who've worked the socks off. Dan Burns, another one maybe in a couple of years, where, you know, you can't allow sentimentality to rule the decisions. No, I think you're right. I think the, the four players they've named there are, are the four that I would have picked straight off the top of my head. Eddie Howe said it really well about a year ago, or, or just under a year ago, when he spoke about the summer window and he said, you know, we're going to have to be prepared for some emotional exits. Now, at the minute in the takeover, you know, because of how well some of these, you know, former fringe players are doing, we haven't really had to say goodbye to many. Maxi's obviously one that fans were very, very torn on. I think now if Miggy went, there'd be a lot of people that were torn. Murphy as well. Byrne, I think a lot of people would, would still be quite good to see him go. Um, so we've been sort of blessed that we're two years in the takeover and we haven't really experienced it on a wide scale thing yet. Now, for me, I think there's still life in Callum Wilson. I know you know, we're going to talk about how bad the injury record is and all that, but I just think he's scoring goals. He's still scoring goals now, even though he's, you know, he's had a, an injury hit season and we're not even at Christmas. I think there's still, there's still life in his Newcastle United career yet. Don't get me wrong. I, st- I still think he's got a part to play, but it's just whether his body... As a body... third choice backup striker, that's what you think. Yeah, but I think you, you can, you can interpret with that how you want. I still think if he was on the bench, you could come off the bench and play 25 minutes half an hour here and so in some games even start but the, the, the point of the, the fact is his body can't handle the rigours of the Premier League we've, we've seen that and we're seeing it again and I think that puts a massive gamble on Alexander Isak returning because Newcastle United are left without an out and out striker for the Chelsea game in a, in, a, in a week or so's time or whatever six days time you then got PSG away Again, you're looking at just Alexander Isak. Now, the club aren't going to want to rush Isak back because when that happened to a certain degree the last time, it cost them again. Newcastle United and the backroom staff, the physios, the medical, they're in a really difficult position because, you know, potentially Alexander Isak still could be out of action for the next three or four weeks while he builds up to, to being, you know, match fit and ready to be called upon. Mm, I think he's looking a lot closer than that, given he was he was back in training, you know, well before Dortmund. I think we're not going to see three or four weeks until Isaac gets up to speed. I get your point, you know. It, well, three or four games, maybe, yeah, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at Wilson's injury record here. Two hamstring injuries this season, COVID um, from November. Now, November last year, now... I mean, according to transfer market here, he didn't miss a single game between November 11th and the end of the season. Now, I know you're going to say, yes, he's already been hit twice with the same one. Alexander Rizek, last week, I think you were doing him a massive disservice um, because, yes, he missed 16 games last season with a thigh injury. Club and country, he's missed six this season. But apart from that, that's all he's missed, two spells a year apart. I think you're doing a massive disservice about his injury record. I get your point, I completely do. But this is what I think I want to talk about next is 
you know, you're going to name these names who would come in and, you know, you. Would, I'm not going to argue they'd make Newcastle United stronger, but I'm just not sure they need to go for an, a striker at the minute, at this stage of the journey, given how well Wilson and Isaac are performing, that comes in and instantly is above them in the pecking order. But I just think there was a real issue, as I said on last week's episode, about guaranteeing that those two are available to be picked. I know you've just read off there, but he still missed. I think it's, is it, I had the number last week, was it 60-something uh, uh, games, I think he's missed, or 60-something days. Hal Wilson has missed a lot of football. And where Newcastle United want to be, where they're going, the, the games, the schedule, and I go back to the fact that Isaac's going to return, he's going to return with a massive responsibility on his shoulders, knowing that there's no one really else to turn in. You'll see Anthony Gordon, but let's be honest, you move Anthony Gordon off the left flank and Newcastle become a less threatening side because that's where he's very, that's his best position. So I think you do, you want someone that you can guarantee above all else that they will play the majority of games. I don't think Callum Wilson can do that anymore, unfortunately. I'm devastated saying that because as we both agree, as Gibbo's written in his column, as most people listening and watching will say, Callum Wilson is an unbelievable striker. It's just that injury record, which keeps me awake at night, if I'm being quite honest. Um, and you're right, look, you asked me for a name last week and I couldn't come up with one, so I, I took in what people said to me on social media, because a lot of people did get in touch about it and threw some names, and the same names kept picking up, uh, kept popping up. So we've got Victor Osame, uh, who obviously is one of your best strikers, suggested by quite a few people. Um, obviously, he's going to cost the best part of 80 million, probably at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what a talent he best. would uh, be to bring in. You've got Tua Gusi, it's Stuttgart, and Victor Boniface from Bayer Leverkusen also mentioned. I mean, three really prolific strikers. But again, you're looking at big price tags. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend, pretend that I know a lot about, especially the last two, but I know they can score goals. And if, and I have to admit, I'm sitting here saying, go out and bring a top quality striker in to be the first choice. I know that's not going to happen. That's my theory. That's my desire. I know Newcastle United are not going to go and do that. I think you're more likely to see them turn back to Higo Atekie and run the gamble. Huge cl- gamble. Yeah, it is. But we've seen before, they like to go back to players that they've scouted, that they know can fit into the system. And the gamble is whether they think his attitude, whether he was maybe badly advised to go to PSG, maybe he followed his dream and it was the wrong move, and whether his attitude is something that will disrupt the dressing room or, or whether it was just a mistake and they think they can work with that. That's the gamble, but that is the road I think they'll go down rather than spending 80, 90 million on one of these three strikers that I've mentioned. And look, I would be, I would be well, let me, let me caveat that. I would be happy if that was the route they took and they got someone who was 21, 22, and who could come in and be bedded into this team, wouldn't expect it to hit the ground running straight away. Hugo Ekutiki, I don't think I'd go back in for. Yes, he was fantastic at Rem before he went to PSG. I think you know what we've you know seen and heard out of that uh, saga about his attitude would, would probably put me off, and I'd be hesitant to say it would probably put Eddie Howe off as well. Um and for me, and I'm going to just, again, go to my pad here because I've written some stats down. The reason why I think that is the route they have to go down is because if they go out and spend 60, 70, 80 million pounds on a striker, which in my opinion, they don't need to go and do at this stage, what does that do for Alexander Uzak's confidence? What does that do to Callum Wilson, by the way, who is still banging in the goals and will look at it and say, well, look, there's no denying the fact that I am on paper now third choice. Every other team in the Premier League, or at least the big six, Arsenal, only having Ketty and Jesus, City, Haaland and Alvarez, Man U, 
uh, Hoyland and Rashford. Chelsea are a bit different because they, they don't really play with the centre forward. Liverpool, Darwin, Nunes, Firmino. Spurs with Charleston and Son. These big... He's no longer here, is he? Firmino? Oh, sorry, Bobby Firmino. Uh, who am I thinking of? Um, Gakpo? Gakpo, sorry, not Firmino. Um, or, or Diaz, one of the two. These big clubs don't have three, three big hitting strikers in them because you can't fit them all in. I accept that, and that was the point some people make. But I look at the look at Arsenal, for instance. It's it's well thought that they need to go out and get a striker. It's believed that Ivan Tony is their number one target. And I've got Tony written down here next to Totoro actually, because Jesus unfortunately has a bit of an injury record and he can't play that many games and. That's the point I'm making. That's actually very similar in many ways to the Newcastle saga, where you're left, you're often left with one striker. Recently, Newcastle have been left with no strikers, and I just think I've said where I think Newcastle will go. My one issue with that signing a young striker is that you say bed them in, but I think you're more likely not going to have to throw them straight in because of how often the injuries come to the strikers, and that's. I think that's just the reality of the situation. I mean, the rest of the uh, you know the rest of the list you had there. I mean, Nunes, I don't think's been injured. You know, um, you know they've, they've got decent enough uh, fitness records. So I, I, look, you look, Callum Wilson come back and not miss another game till he moves on. Granted, I get that, but I think his history shows that he'll come back in a month's time, six weeks, uh, and I think we'll be sat here maybe March, April time talking about another injury for him. I think that's why you. I, I would like to see Newcastle go out and, and and do a bit more than bring in a youngster. But I, I, I accept. I don't think they will do. You don't think they will go out and buy a striker? Right? I don't. I I don't think it's at the list of top priority. Not the kind of striker that I, I'm suggesting to go out and buy. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I think it would be me in a techie. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, or, yeah. You know, a, a younger striker. About maybe just bring back. QR or, or Aminta, who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll go out and, and blow their budget this January at least. Maybe in the summer it's, it's a different sort of thinking, but in January, because of the price tag, because of the, the premium play, the Newcastle United tax, financial fair play, I can't see them splashing out 85, 90 million on, 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 on a striker as much as I think they should do. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think that's the, the school of thought that they're probably thinking. I think Alexander Rizek was such a huge outlay, you know, the biggest in the club's history. Um, you know, every time you hear Dan Ashworth speak, he's trying to, you know, move away from the fact that they want to ever spend, you know, upwards of 80 million on a player. They want to be, you know, getting these young players in and progressing them. Interesting. You mentioned there, what would it do to the confidence of Alexander Isaac and, yeah. and Callum Wilson? Um, you know, and a lot of people have responded by saying, you know, competition is good. And I agree. I think you bring in another striker of top quality and they go, OK, I'm going to have to work my socks off here to try and keep my spot. And actually, you're saying what does it do for their confidence? Well, it goes back to the point I made originally. There's no room for sentimentality. Mm. You say, here's the challenge, rise to it, prove to us, the club, that, okay, we've spent X amount of money, be your still first choice. I mean, we saw it with Sandra Norrie, not necessarily first choice in that team. And I, I think that would be the same way of thinking. Just because you've spent 70, 80 million, 90 million doesn't necessarily guarantee it a first team place, does it? Mm, well, I. Th- uh... But you, but you're saying to them, it, it, yes, it drives them on. But they've both they've both proved they've both actually, you know, raised their game already since they came in. Callum Wilson is still scoring goals right now, seven in ten Premier League games this season. Alexander Isak consistently scoring. It's not as if you know they need that competition. They've both got it at the minute. 
Interesting. Um, like I said, there's quite a few uh, comments. Um, Darren says, I would hope we bring in at least two experienced players in during the January transfer window. Takana Fraz says, if you're competing all fronts, you will need at least three strikers. Remember, the game is now longer than ever and we play a higher tempo than anybody else. So throwing your theory out of the water. You still going to stick to it? Oh, of course I am. Um, the other name that I did mention there was, was Ivan Tony. Obviously, he's been out uh, due to bets and offences, but he's going to be back in January. He's uh, played a few games for the reserve side at, at Brentford. Shockingly, wasn't allowed to train for quite a while while out. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Tenori, we think, will be allowed to train with Newcastle. I think that's an, an utterly bizarre rule that Tony wasn't allowed to do that. Um, I don't see how that you know, aids the punishment. But anyway, back in the new year, prolific in the Premier League, would you see him at Newcastle United? Um, uh, look, I, I would, I would not be against uh, even Tony. I think he's a very, very good centre forward. I think Newcastle have been made to look really, really foolish by letting him go when they did. Um, my only issue is the price tag that is probably going to place be placed on his head now. He's Brentford's out and out goal scorer. Um, he's there, you know, their their main man, and I think they're probably going to you know, demand silly, silly money from him. And I just don't know at 27 whether he's the, the man to do it. Very, very good forward. I wouldn't be against it, but it would... The point, <sighs> the point is, though, I mean, 27's not that old, right? No, I know, but I just think for the money that they're going to be asking, in terms of where Newcastle are at the minute with their spending, for a position that, for me, isn't, you know, number one priority, I can't see them... Because I think Brentford are going to want more than the 63 million that we paid for Alexander Isak. When when does it become a priority in your your mind? So Callum Wilson's 31. Yeah. So when, bearing that in mind, look, I'm not doubting that he could still be at Newcastle in two years' time and still playing a part. Um, but is there, a, it was, is there a certain stage it does become a priority for you? Or are you looking at Callum Wilson's age when he gets to 32, 33, perhaps? Or are you thinking, well, they've signed a young striker by then, so he's the, that striker is the replacement? I mean, ideally, yes, and I think that's what Dan Ashworth wants to do. You know, it's why they've gone out and signed Minter, it's why they've gone out and signed Grant Kowal. Eddie Howe always bangs on about how he sees Anthony Gordon through the middle in training and absolutely loves him there. So there's there's plenty of options already there to come through. They're just not there yet to them, of course, not at the club. Um, look... I know this. I know you're going to probably scoff and say that you know I'm completely twisting it. But next summer, if you want to have this conversation again, absolutely fine. But I'm talking about here and now. January is coming up. They've got priorities to plug, and for me, I'm just not sure how high on the list a striker is. When you look around that team, they're probably only going to bring in what two in January. Ashworth's already said as much. They need to be fluid. Um, One of those needs to be a striker, though, regardless if it's my logic. Or the logic I think Newcastle Knight will go for, i.e. young mm. player, maybe, like I said, back to a techie. One has to be a striker. Does it? Yeah. Does it really? Yes. Because if, if, if Callum Wilson is out for a it's, month... It's it's third on my list at the minute of priorities. I can't understand how you can sit here and say that. I, I genuinely can't. Because I think you're... you're this is, I mean, somebody correct us in the comments if I'm wrong. This is the first time since Alexander Rizak signed for the club that both of them have been out in recent weeks, or at least for a good period of time. Um, 
And I just think, you know, we've got these short-term blinkers on where we're thinking this is the norm. It's not... Alexander Riesler got injured once last season, granted for three months. He's been injured for about four weeks this but season. if... Okay, I'll give you that. I think there was maybe... A, I can't remember off the top of my head. Again, people in the comments might correct, but I think there was a, another period. But anyway, even if Alexander Isaac is fit, doesn't pick up the injury for another, what, what have you, I don't think you can rely on Callum Wilson. And that leaves Alexander Isaac as the sole striker. And but where, 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 has this, where has this vigour been for the last... since we signed Isaac? You know, we're only hearing about this now because of the injuries. Eddie Howe clearly has thought for the last year that they've got enough with the two of them. I, I think it's probably been bubbling away in the background. I don't think it has at all. I, I really, I, really I don't. And I think people have got really short memories. And we weren't even talking about this three months ago. Well, mm. you might have been or we might have been. I did see a striker in the summer. We certainly weren't earlier this year in January. We thought we had enough. I did see in the summer they needed You did because we've been having this debate for three months. But I was saying I didn't think they did. But I... I do think it, it's maybe been bubbling away in the background. People just haven't wanted to talk about it. I just think at some point it was always going to come to a head. So so in, in January then, so if I'm saying that it's third on my list, where's it in your list for January? Number one? Yeah. They it can is. only sign one player in January and it's a striker. And this coming think. from the man who banged on all summer about the fact that they need to sign number six. And that was before they had Tenali, who's now banned. Come on. We're rewriting history and you know it because we're short term thinking about the injuries now. I think... If Eddie Howe confirms on Friday that Callum Wilson is out for four to six weeks, you're then going to have to say, well, look, it's at least two, maybe three weeks before he gets properly up to scratch. And by, I mean, the schedule Newcastle United have got, can they risk just Alexander Isak? I don't know. Because, again, I go back to the point, unfortunately, I don't think this will be the last injury Callum Wilson will pick up. But we don't it's, know, though. We, we, don't, we don't know. We don't. But I, I think it's history probably suggests that another one will be coming down the road. And again, look, Callum, if you're watching, I think you're absolutely fantastic strike guy. I would love you to go injury free. I just don't think it's going to happen. And that is why it is my number one priority. Darren Lee in the comments here, by the way, has just absolutely read my mind because that is why uh, a striker is third on my priority list because I think you need another midfielder to cover Tonali. Number one priority has got to be that midfield. It's looking, it's looking threadbare. Longstaff's running himself in the ground. We know Jolton can pick up Knox. We know that uh, Willick is obviously just back from two very serious injuries. And I think you need, and I know that people are probably going to scoff at this, but I think you need more um, cover at centre-back. Because I know Lascelles has stepped up very, very well. But if Botman has surgery, then that's him out of Feb. Kraft and Dummett, yes, they've done very well in their brief games. But can we really you know, go forward with them as third-choice centre-backs? I don't know. Those would be my two priorities, then a striker. Look, and I agree. I so still thank, think thank you, Darren, in the comments. <laughs> I still think Newcastle United need to sign a centre midfielder of some sort. But oh, this is the, this but, is just what have you done with the Andrew of three months ago, who was banging on the table I mean, and screaming in, in, that Eddie Howe hadn't signed a in, number six. In, in my defense, I said it, it. It was a number six and a striker that needed to be to be had and I still stand by it they're the two positions I would have strengthened in the summer where I thought Newcastle left themselves short and I think obviously no one could have predicted Sandra Sonali's um, uh, you know, ban but I, st I, st I still think they're the priorities and yes look a striker and a number six are the two I think they should go after in January in that order yeah I think a striker is more pressing I think look I think you'll, I, I think I'll be completely honest I think I'm probably in the minority here I think you'll have a lot of people in the comments I think you'll have a lot of people listening to this later who completely agree with you and completely follow your school of thought 
and that's absolutely fine. I'm not saying, you know, it's so far down the priority list that I can't fathom it. I get it completely. But I just think people have really short memories. And Wilson and Isaac, Wilson could potentially last. And I know it's a big if, but you're saying that he could get injured again. I'm saying he could last to the end of the season, like he did last season from January, February till May, where he didn't pick up an injury and he's scoring goals for full money players. I think, I just think it's third on my priority list. Do you know what? I'm very happy we're having this debate. We should have some celebratory music in the background because for once, Aaron Stokes is not sitting on the fence and I'm all for that. And also, refreshing. <laughs> very good. I would like to be proved wrong in my theory. And like, I'd love Cal Wilson to come back, start a January and never get injured again. Uh, jumping to the comments, Graham says, um, no, not at all. 80 to 100 million for Ivan Tony. Better value elsewhere. I would yeah. rather go for Ferguson or Brighton. He's just signed a new contract, so I can't see... That happened, and Graham also adds that Wilson will be back and ready by mid-January. We have a week off in Jan and FA Cup, and uh, he would like to see defensive midfielder and centre-half brought in. Tristan says, we've got Willick, Miley, Bruno, Jalint, and Longstaff, and Anderson. Yes, two injured, but we have no strikers right now. Yasser says, Atekia or Werner will likely happen in January as they are cheap options. Bob says, we need a striker midfielder and a centre-half. Uh, Darren says, attack you, mess the club around, I would walk away. Uh, a lot of people just getting involved, very good to see. And yes, the point about attack you, I think that is, like I said, probably the only risk. Yeah, I think it is. I, I completely agree with that. That's a, if that person in the comments there means Timo Werner of ex-Chelsea fame, I'll be very much on board with that. Oh, does that mean your logic would change if you see him holding up the scarf at the Gallagates? I don't think he's big enough signing to change my mind, but I would I would like Timo Werner. I think he's I think he's underrated and he got a bad rep because of his Chelsea uh, his Chelsea period. Now, interestingly, another name that cropped up on social media last week to me was Alexandra Mitrovic. Um, now, currently playing for Al Hilal in Saudi Arabia, which is the same team as Ruben Neves and Neymar. Um, but I'll address this now. We're going to talk about obviously the players in Saudi Arabia that Newcastle could turn to. We're also going to talk about the Premier League vote. But on Alexander Mitrovic, there's something quite romantic and movie-like that makes you want to see Mitrovic return to Tyneside and prove he can do it in the black and white of Newcastle. Uh, it didn't work out from the first time around. Nine goals as Newcastle were relegated. He was kind of young. He was naive. He was hot-headed. Mm-hmm. But Fulham, he proved he could cut it. You know, uh, 28 goals in the Premier League across a few seasons with the Westland side before moving to Saudi Arabia. However, before we even take into consideration the price tag and the wages... I think we've got to admit that he's far from the type of player that Eddie Howe would want. Uh, no, he scores goals, but Mitrovic doesn't have the stamina, I don't think, nor the discipline to fit into a team that presses high from the forward line. I just I just don't see how it would work. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think the two points you made there that are the, probably the strongest ones, why it wouldn't happen or it probably shouldn't happen, is the fee. You know, How much did he go for in the summer? It was a ridiculous fee for a player of his age. And the wages that he's on out there, is let's let's be completely frank, probably the only reason that he's not playing Premier League football anymore. Um really didn't want Mitrovic to go back in the day. I was, you know, really, really good to see him go. Um really liked him at the tune. But yeah, not for me again. I, I don't think I'd, I'd I'd be, you know, championing that one. And Graham says I'm with Aaron that Wilson played from Feb last year, so me Andrew Grant uh, Wilson's pardon me to apologise. I'll be all I'll be all for that if he invites me on. Going to get some dirty looks from Callum Wilson. I've seen him down the street, aren't I? Uh, but yeah, Mitrovic, like I say, look, you would like that Hollywood return, but it just doesn't fit into what he had once. He's not going to be the man who chases down uh, the goalkeeper, who chases down the defender and pressurises him into... You'd have to change your whole 
your whole uh, way of playing. And, it, and it's quite interesting though, because when we talk about, look, we can we can look past how young the striker needs to be, how prolific. You know, we've obviously got different opinions on on, on who and what. But in terms of style of play, some might say, well, do you need to bring in a striker who can fit straight in to the team and just is a straight ready replacement, i.e. will chase everyone down? Or do you bring in someone who offers a plan B? Or Newcastle lack in that kind of striker who can change the way the game is played. But then I look at the way Chris Wood was handled well, and that suggests to me you don't want to go out and sign a Chris Wood type because we saw how difficult it was and that was, I think, solely down to the fact that the way Newcastle play wasn't changed to suit him. Well, that's so that's interesting because even though I don't want to compare Chris Wood to Mitrovic, that was the first example that came to my mind as well as Chris Wood. And Eddie Howe did not change his style of play once to fit Chris Wood in. I don't think he would do it for any player. Chris Wood came in to do a job. You know, Some will argue he didn't do it. I would argue he did, but he came in to score goals. He weakened Burnley at a time where they needed to be weakened. Um, but I think Eddie Howe probably learnt from that, that he needs players that he can see fitting into his system, which is why... You know, many people scoffed at Anthony Gordon come for the price he did, but Eddie Howe knew he was a grafter and that was the type of player he wanted in his team. Just to get your, your answer, I mean, could we, this all be a pointless conversation about strikers if Newcastle decide to bring back Minter or Kior? Um, I mean, it could very much well be. I think Minter's probably the more likely one, but I actually wrote a piece about it over the weekend that there's probably a few reasons why they probably won't. One, Minter's currently out with hamstring injury, so it, um, Couldn't it's write sort it. of... Um, Poo-poo's that show. Um, Feyenoord need to agree to it. Yes, Newcastle can recall him, but you know Feyenoord seem to be very, very pleased with him. And actually, also as well, he's going to the African Cup of Nations between the 11th of Jan and the 13th of Feb. That's a huge period to miss as well. Given everything we've said, does the future of Minter and QR kind of maybe impact what Newcastle might do? Because they look at it and they say, right, let's say they agree with you, Aaron, they say we're going to go out and sign a young striker who in two or three years' time can potentially replace Callum Wilson or in rival Alexander Isaac. But then they look on the other piece of paper and they say, well, we've got these two. So what do we do? Because you bring in a, in a, in a third striker aside from those two, are you then stunting their development? Are you knocking them down the pecking order? Do you think it will impact the decision? Absolutely. I personally think these two have been brought in with the sole purpose in mind that they are going to be essentially... You know, I'm not going to say the year to Wilson because they're very different players and they're maybe not out-and-out out strikers like Wilson is, but um, they're very good young attacking players who in a couple of years, Newcastle United are hoping, are going to be in the first team. Now, Dan Ashworth has made it clear every time you speak to him, that is their stance. You've seen how much money they've pumped into the academy, the type of players that they're pinching from under Liverpool and Manchester United's nose. Um and I've just completely lost my train of thought. Uh, uh, and they've also brought in uh, Marcel Boot, the Manchester United former uh, global head of scout. And a bit of, depending on who you ask, you'll get different answers to how well he actually has done in his career. But he's obviously been brought in to sign solely 16 to 23-year-olds. That might not be ready for the first team now, but in a couple of years' time, they're going to be world beaters. It's very, very clear to see the direction the club are going. They never want to be spending 80 million plus on a striker or any player for that matter because they want to be, you know, getting ahead of the curve. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the gap between bringing someone in who will go into the under-21s and play for a little bit and then potentially go out on loan to bringing someone in who can fit straight into the first-team squad, I mean, that that's a big step up, but you're probably talking potentially players of, of the same age. And I, I wonder just how difficult it is to find someone who can actually 
go straight into the first team squad at 18, 19, 20 compared to spending two years at the academy. Let's be honest, playing a, a competitive game which probably doesn't do much for the development, then having to go out on loan for a season, potentially yeah. not playing week in, week out. They're, they're two very different paths. Absolutely, and I think... You know, it's. I know that Gordon and Livermento are both slightly older than Minter and Qual, so it's, it it sort of dilutes the point a bit. But they've played in England their entire life. They know the crack. Livermento was at Southampton. Gordon was at Everton. They played first team Premier League football. You look at Qual and Minter. Qual plucked from you know Central Coast Mariners in Australia. Never played in Europe before. Minter from Gambia, playing in Denmark. No surprise to see that they've both been given. You know what Newcastle thought last year they were going to get. With Qual going to heart was a decent, you know, grounding in English football, or UK football. No surprise that they've. I mean, that that Minter deal is actually a very, very good deal. Send him to a Champions League club, the team that won the Dutch division last year. Um, and I mean, anybody who's listened to this podcast for the last year or, or read my article will be bored me talking about it. But Ashworth's plan at Brighton has just been copied at Newcastle. Um, Alexis McAllister now at Liverpool they did exactly the same for him after the signing from Argentina they did it with Moises Saicedo after they signed him from Ecuador they're plucking these players from around the world sending them to a really good team in Europe getting them you know, accustomed to competitive football then they're bringing them back into the first team I wouldn't be surprised to see Minter back and a part of Eddie Howe's squad next season I guess the only difference there in the long term is that they then don't go and sell yeah. them every two or three seasons because Newcastle United want to be that top team where these players yeah. Stop, but yeah, you can see the, the the plan in place from Dan Ashworth, and it's just starting to uh, take up shape, isn't it? Um, this does lead us on to the main part of the show where we will discuss this week's Premier League votes on banning uh, loans between associated clubs. So that takes place tomorrow, which is Tuesday, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this one pans out. And I think me and Aaron actually will bring you a kind of a reaction uh, to it if we get it during the day. Um, it seems to have come about after Lynx credited Newcastle with an interest in Ruben Neves. That became more concrete after Sandwich Norley's ban. Now, there is an interest in a lower move, and that seems to have woken up some Premier League clubs. Now, Aaron, many will know, but some won't. Just explain the context to the issues with Neves potentially moving to Newcastle from Saudi Arabia. So yeah, at the minute there's absolutely nothing to stop Newcastle United going and signing players or loaning players from Saudi Arabia or the four clubs that are owned by the PIF, who obviously own 80% of Newcastle. Um, Dan Ashworth was asked about this, we got the chance to speak to him last month and he was obviously quizzed about Tenali, quizzed about Neves and he sort of said, it was like he was dipping his toe in the water to see the reaction he got and he said, there's nothing stopping us at the minute from going out and signing Neves. What you know, a week or two later, the Premier League clubs are gathering together um, to discuss it. Now, Premier League chiefs insist that it's got nothing to do with Newcastle, nothing to do with Neves. You know, is it a coincidence or not? They'll say that it is. Um, but as we're going to talk about, it doesn't just affect Newcastle. You know, even though that you know Newcastle are in this on the you know headlines about it at the minute. And is there genuine interest in him? I've here and there is. But it's obviously now they've just realised that they're probably going to have to skirt around quite a few. Well, not quite a few. One main obstacle. Well, look, if this vote goes the way that Newcastle United hope it probably doesn't, then you know they've got no choice but to not go and sign Ruben Neves. Now, we're going to discuss the Saudi players later in the episode and you know we'll talk about that. For me, I don't think Newcastle United should even be daring to go and sign players from Saudi Arabia. Even if they can, there's too much murky waters there. Um, so even if the player fits perfectly into what you're trying to achieve, i.e. like Neves, I think he would be a really good sign. I think I still, as I did in the summer, question 
why you would move to Saudi Arabia with all due respect at the age of 26. I mean, we could probably make our own judgments to why, but you meant to be in the peak of your, your career. You know, you want to be winning things in Europe. But that aside, very talented player. I think he would do a job for Newcastle United. So even though you can see the benefits of bringing a talented player like him, you think Newcastle United should just stay well away and just move to someone else? Yeah, I, I, I do. And I completely get that this is my own personal opinion. I'm sure people in the comments will say, what are you talking about if they're right for, for Newcastle? But I just think for me personally, stay away from the controversy that comes with it. Newcastle United don't need to be going and signing players, signing players from Saudi Arabia. That being said, Ruben Neves, fantastic player, wizard with a ball at his feet, very good at set pieces. I Would think, I have taken him this summer? Definitely now, I'm not so sure. I think for what it's worth, I don't think loans between associate clubs should be allowed. So I'm all for the ban coming in. Do I buy the the the, uh, the, the theory that it isn't because Newcastle are suddenly interested in doing it? I'm not 100% sure. I think that's a bit too much of a coincidence. What, the question you've just asked me, if the ban doesn't go through and Newcastle United can loan and buy from... PIF clubs in January. Do you would you be happy to see Neves or I would be uncomfortable. Mitrovic? I would be uncomfortable at it. I would be too uncomfortable. Me, I just what? But there are questions. I mean, what is fair market value, etc., etc. And it, it's difficult because I I can see Neves doing a really good job. I think many people would welcome him for his talent and it, and his ability. And I'm also. I'm not keen to because many people would say, well, you're just going to be bowing down to 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 the so-called elite clubs. Where do, where where do you draw the line? I mean, if you're scared of rattling the cages, you know what else are you not going to do? Yeah, no, no, I do get that. I just think for me, it's it's that weird, uncomfortable that sits with me as well. I would just feel a little bit like there's been so much controversy around the takeover and everything that's come with it, and the Saudi deals, and you know the Saudi sponsorships that they're getting. But if why? you can prove it's fair market value, what is the issue? Some would argue. I, you know me, I just sit on the fence. I don't like to be involved in the drama. And I just think it poses more questions than it than it answers. I mean, if they pay a fair loan fee, it's not inflated. If they pay all the wages, I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, look, I think there'd be nothing... If that was to happen, then there'd be nothing wrong, technically, with Newcastle United going out and signing Nevers or whoever else. But for me, personally, it wouldn't sit right. I mean, I do think those who are pushing for change, and we don't know exactly who it is, but we can have a guess. I think they may have underestimated the feeling amongst the Premier League because mm. there are at least 14 clubs you could see have links with other clubs. And that then opens up... I mean, it, it, how many numbers need to pass it through? It's, it's four, 14 out of 14 the 20. need to pass it, yeah. and 14 clubs have links to other clubs via small stakes or via you know big stakes from some owners. So have certain clubs underestimated the feeling it depend it, it's going to depend a lot on the on the links between the two clubs isn't it now i've got them down here arsenal for example stan Kroenke, who owns arsenal also owns colorado rapids there probably isn't going to be too much overlap between those two clubs but then when you look at manchester united you know potentially jim jim radcliffe coming in with 25% of the club who also owns nice you know he's not going to be one of the, and implementing that Chelsea Clear Lake who own Chelsea have got Strasbourg they're probably not going to want to do that I mean Brighton loan a lot of players to Union St. Galois in Belgium because Tony Bloom owns both but of is them. it different going out yeah sorry different it, it's not going to block outgoing it's only going to block incoming uh, loan or, or, or signing so but I mean there's a lot of I mean Manchester City 
with their football group of 12 or 13 different um, teams in, under this one umbrella. It's gonna. It, I don't think it's going to be the swift 19-1 to 1 resolution that people think it's going to be with Newcastle out on their own. It'd be very, very interesting to see whether it passes on tomorrow. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't think it will pass. I think it'll be close, but I think there's enough clubs there who will be impacted by it. And they, you know, they might think, oh, it'll only be one deal every four or five years, but it could be the one deal that makes the difference. And it's interesting that it's only going to be a temporary measure until they can find something more permanent. So it does smack smacks of desperation that they need to get something in quickly before January. It does, and, and they can deny it all they want, but it, you know, the optics are there for everyone to see. And I did make the point in an article that I wrote that it's hypocritical as well because the likes of of Liverpool and who had no issue taking money for certain players from Saudi teams, mm-hmm. and yeah, let's be exactly. honest, the price tags were a little bit interesting. Yeah. And I think all of a sudden, when it's Newcastle standing to benefit, even though, and I have no doubt they would do it at a fair market value, suddenly it's an issue, and that's why I don't quite believe that you know it's nothing to do with the interest in, in Ruben Neves. You mentioned my United and Nice. I mean, the link to Jean-Claire Tadibo, the, the centre-back, who's a, a fantastic player. Um, my, my, my Simon Bird appearing on the podcast not too long ago, and he said Newcastle should move uh, heaven and earth to sign uh, this this player. And you know he's linked to Manchester United with Radcliffe set to uh, take a stake in my in, in my United. So that's going to be an interesting one. And I mean, it'd be funny if my United, one of the elite clubs, don't vote it through. Um, I guess though change for good has to start somewhere so as I say I don't agree that clubs should be able to loan from associated clubs potentially Newcastle United do need to be the first one impacted potentially I think um, I think from the outside looking in I can I can understand the, the, the sort of fury from other clubs you know that Newcastle United could potentially, if no measures are put in place, go out and negotiate with PIF. You know, for a player that is going to do, you know, very very well for Newcastle United in the Premier League. Which, let's be honest, is probably their main focus. I know they've got four clubs in Saudi, but the money they're making in the Premier League is is you know ridiculous. Um, so I get the anger, and I get that, and I get the fury. And me personally, if it goes through, I don't think I'll be shedding too many tears. Um. Darwin makes a point that shouldn't be allowed to change the rules halfway through the season. Another good point. And like we said, the, the fact that they're scrambling to put this temporary measure in before January. I, I've seen certain people say Neves might be a smoke screen for something else in the works. That Ashworth's like, dropped well, it in and everyone, Premier League teams have focused on that. Oh, Newcastle want to sign Neves, but actually Ashworth's away in the background working on some of that big deal that has nothing to do with Saudi Arabia and in the, the Saudi Pro League. Ashworth playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers, maybe. I actually, weirdly enough, saw something today that Manchester City had been linked with Ruben Neves, which would open the door spectacularly for Calvin Phillips to come to Newcastle United. Oh, man. See, he's my, he's, he's my third striker kind of hatred in terms of what I don't like talking about. What, Calvin Phillips? Not for you? Not, Not for man me. for you? Look, right, he's barely well, played what, any games. I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll do every week from now on, we'll talk about Calvin Phillips and we'll debate it till we're blue in the face. There's nothing because, to debate. Because now you'll know how I felt about How can you debate. expect him to be up to scratch when he doesn't play any first-team football? Southgate like thinks he's up to scratch. I don't care what Southgate thinks. I mean, you saw against Motley, Wembley was nearly empty. I'm, playing, I'm, play, I'm, I'm winding you up here, by the way. I'm, I'm just doing this to wind you up. Calvin I'm not saying Phillips we should Calvin would Phillips. take a good three or four weeks to get up to scratch. And by then... 
But can I just can I just say to just to purely play a devil's advocate here, Calvin Phillips at Leeds. If you could if if you could get him anywhere near that, which was only two seasons ago, you would take it. And what better manager in the Premier League to get a player back to that level in the number six role, which you know more than anyone there crying out for? It's Eddie Howe. I wouldn't yeah, be. But, I wouldn't be totally against that on a six-month loan deal. By the way, Calvin Phillips. Yeah, it I was, really would. It would have to be on a loan deal, but my, my point still stands. He's going to have to take a few weeks at the very least to get up to scratch. You, so that by then you've probably already lost a month. Mm, maybe. I just don't see. He, he hasn't played enough games competitively to be ready to fit straight in, and especially a team like Eddie Howe's, where you have to have the legs. Yeah, no, I, I just think that. it would be a waste of time. Let us know in the comments, people, if you would sign Calvin Phillips or not, because Andrew's getting a bit blue in the face here. I need to give him a bit of a break. <laughs> um, so let's look at some of the players in Surrey that maybe could do a job at Newcastle. So we've spoken about Nevis and Mitovic. We'd both take Nevis, I think, even though you'd be uncomfortable. Well, we'd both be uncomfortable at it. But in terms of ability, you'd take Nevis. Yeah. Mitovic, not for me. Ronaldo is always the first one you get asked about <laughs> by people who don't follow Newcastle. My taxi driver on the way to, I, I flew from Birmingham to go to Dortmund, my taxi driver, the first thing he said to me was, Newcastle are going to sign Ronaldo. How would you feel? I would not want Newcastle to go anywhere near Ronaldo. I don't think it would happen. I don't think anyhow wants the superstars. Newcastle aren't going to touch that. You know, Talk about release clauses and all that are just a load of waffle. We saw Manchester United, despite what Piers Morgan actually thinks, he was the issue, not the other way around. Yeah. Not a chance, Ronaldo. Wouldn't want him in a month of Sundays. Is I think we've dedicated more time to Ronaldo than we need to do. But isn't it funny that we're sat here two years and two two years and one month after the takeover? Imagine if we'd said three years ago that we'd be sat here saying Ronaldo. No, no way. I'd, I'd still be saying it. I've never liked them. Mm, I, well, I mean, there's a difference between liking them and I think three years ago when we're in the pits of relegation I think would have taken him <laughs> Messi's the better player but anyway um, Sadio Mane is one that is constantly linked to Newcastle I'd, I mean what we're going to say look we've got a list of, uh, of players uh, who, who've signed to play in the Saudi Pro League in the summer just gone we're going to be looking at it in terms of obviously it, it, kind of a realistic look would they fit in at Newcastle do we think Newcastle would do it and also um, do we you know do we think they would move Etc. Etc. So Saturday morning, he would cost a lot of money, wouldn't he? He would, yeah, uh, a lot of money for a thirty-one-year-old. The wages that he'd be on uh, would be absolutely astronomical, and I think unless he's willing to take a pay cut, it would still be too much. And actually, even if he did take a pay cut, he would instantly become the highest earner. Do the club want to go out and you know give a thirty-one-year-old with not many years left that type of money? I don't think so. Would he fit in? Uh, I mean, yeah. Look, don't get me wrong. It's Sadio Mane is just absolutely ridiculous player so so good at Liverpool really you know, can't really get my head around the fact that they let him go when they did uh, to Bayern yeah but I don't know I think it, look at what he did in the Prem so good um, but not for me I just don't I just don't think it'll happen uh, Marcelo Brozovic the ex Inter Milan captain 31 again so are you saying we don't, are, you, are you applying the good old Mike Ashley theory well, to I just think, all the players I just think a lot of these players have left Europe, Champions League teams. I mean, Brozovic left Inter, who went to um, the Champions League final last season, to go and play in Saudi, which is their right if they get an offered obscene amount of money. Is that but one of the main issues? But then it's six months later to come back to Europe as if nothing's happened. Like, 
Do you think is that one of the main issues? Is the money like, or would they would they take the pay cut? Well, this is the thing that they they've run such inflated wages over there. They would have to take a pay cut to pretty much what they were on before they left Europe. Are they going to want to do that after six months? Well, maybe maybe because I look at it, and with all due respect to the Saudi League, I kind of look at it the way I've looked at the Calvin Phillips thing. I mean, how competitive can you actually be? You know, you're Jordan Henderson, who's not in this list, by the way, because because for obvious reasons. But these players are good players. Number six, couldn't he? <laughs> You're good players, but I mean, let's be honest, they're the best players probably in the, in the, in the, in the leagues and no one's getting near them. So I'm just wondering, you lose that competitive edge, don't you? But, but, yeah, but there's two sides to it, isn't it? Because yes, you can look at, I mean, look at Jordan Henson and Steven Gerrard's team L, uh, at EFAC, for example. 600 people go into their games. I mean, it, it must be soul-destroying. But then on the flip side, they knew what they were getting into going out there. Yes, they can say they're going over to make the league better and for a new experience, you're going there because you're getting four times the wedge you were on in in, in England. Um, Ruben Neves said in the summer, you touched on it earlier, you'd love to know why he left Wolves and it's peak at 26. I was reading some quotes from him the other day where he says, um, an, opportunity, an opportunity like this is too good to turn down. Um, I have to think of my family and what it will do for them. It will set them up for life. I mean, you could not get any more blazing than saying, I am going for the money. So, you're then asking... Get enough in the Premier League. Well, I mean, this is the only thing, though. With <laughs> loan deals, you know, he's going to be on the same wedge as he is in Saudi because they're just going to be splitting it between a Premier League club and Saudi club. Um, back to Brozovic. I mean, if I'm completely honest, I haven't seen enough of him, um, but not for me. It doesn't really scream out. Seko Fafana, former Lens midfielder. Again, he was a little bit linked to Newcastle in the summer. Um, I spoke to a couple of people who said they would really like him to to join Newcastle. Like I haven't seen too much of him, but he seems to know where the, where, where the back of the net is. I think he signed for €25 million. Euros. Probably wouldn't be on that much money. And, you know, if Newcastle are looking for a permanent midfielder, maybe he, he, he could be the one to come in. You know, he's got goals to his game. Um, thoughts on him? Maybe, yeah. I mean, he did very well with Masadio Haidara at Lens when they went to the Champions League. But then, again, I mean, you've just got Lens, the Champions League, they're playing Arsenal in their group stage in Sevilla, and you jump ship for the money. Am I being too... No, I agree. I think there, I mean? there, is, there is questions to be asked about, about, the, about the, the attitude of the players. Is. Especially when you're young enough to... St- well, when you are in your peak years. Um, we've got uh, Milikovic Savage, who was again linked... With Newcastle in the summer, uh, former Lazio midfielder, very, very tidy player. Yeah. I think he would be a really good addition. Yeah. You know, again, price tag, wages, etc. But he, he could definitely be someone you could see Marsh in that midfield alongside Bruno. Yeah, very tall, imposing presence. Um, re- did really, really well at years for Lazio um, and was always linked with prems, uh, with teams in the Premier League. I remember when I used to work for the Nationals, it was all he was linked with Manchester United and Chelsea, constantly having to like check in on those transfer rumours. And for whatever reason, it just never happened. No Premier League team, you know, took the, you know, took it on and said, you know what, we're actually going to go out and get this guy because I think he would have been open to to leave in Lazio years ago. Um, Decent player. I think the money that you're going to be asking for him is, again, ridiculous. Is it better spent elsewhere? Probably. And Gabri Viega, former Salta midfielder. Again, another one strongly linked to Newcastle in the summer. Then he went off to, to Saudi Arabia. I mean, he, he couldn't be signed in January because already, that would be his third team he'd play for. Very young uh, midfielder. Big, big talent. Yep. You know, you wouldn't be surprised to see Newcastle come, come in from two or three years down the line. Yeah, 
I mean, this was the Saudi transfer of all of them that really, really surprised me because you had a player, you know, I mean, very, very young, just, you know, burst through the ranks at Celta Vigo, but your Rafa's gutted, he didn't get a chance to coach him. Um, it looked like you had the world at his feet, Newcastle were linked, but it looked like they were so far down the peck list because you had Barcelona, Real Madrid, really keen to get him. I know Madrid ended up getting that uh, Gula from Fenerbahce instead. And then all of a sudden it came out that he was going to Saudi and you thought... For a player of that age to be going, this isn't Ronaldo or Mane we're talking about, or Neymar. This is a player at the start of his career. He's got all of Europe chasing him. Um, so very, very weird. He's actually been linked with a move back to Celta in January. So it may be uh, hints that he's not liking it too much out there. Um, I think I read an article where he's just bought a house. In or, Saudi? or he's now found a house. In Saudi. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's making him say then. Good for him. Um Look, maybe further down the line, if Newcastle continue to grow in stature and continue to play Champions League football, they could go back in. Um, but as you say, I mean, even if they sign him in January, that would be his third team he'd play for the season. Two more on the list. Former Lyon striker Moussa Dembele, obviously once of Fulham. Knows where the goal is. Didn't mm. have too good of a time when he went on loan to Atletico Madrid, but decent record at Lyon. And if we're talking about Newcastle needing potentially a striker... Could he be the man? Potentially. And I know this goes against the youngster that I want to brought in, but I think if he came in, I think he is categorically third choice behind Kalamos and Isaac, which I would be able to stomach because I don't think he would cost, you know, extortionate amounts of money, even though he's, you know, twenty seven, he's got a good few years ahead of him. Um but I think in the pecking order, which I know I keep referring to, I think he would be third, which would, would be all right with me. Again, is it that inspiring? I don't know. You know, decent Celtic. All right, at Leon. I don't know. I think there's a running theme through all these is that I'm just really not very hungry for Newcastle to sign Saudi players. Roy Jota, the former Celtic man, who moved to Celtic, who moved to Saudi Arabia, but couldn't be registered because of the the, the rules around registering foreign players. So he's only played cup games. Yeah, I mean something, something very, very ridiculous going on there when you're signing someone for twenty five million pounds and they're not playing them. He has been um, linked to Newcastle and Spurs, interestingly. Mm, I mean, I don't want this to look like I'm I'm being snobbish, but I'm always a little bit hesitant when players come down from Scotland. You know, players that used to like light up the Scottish Premier League and the company of the Prem, they were just bang average. Would you get that with him? He was so good at Celtic, but is he only good because he's playing St Mirren Aberdeen every week? I don't know. I would want to play. I want to see a little bit more of him. Very, very good talent though, but I just can't get my head around, you know, the Saudi situation for him. It, it just seems baffling for so much money. But I suppose they've got money to burn, so twenty five million's pocket change to uh, Ali Ihad or wherever he's playing. I think. Um, I think it is that team. I think the, the, obviously those names like we say. We were just we just picked out the, probably the the best seven or eight then just had a little discussion. Re- realistic uh, players that might move to Newcastle might interest Newcastle. We're not saying any of them are actually interested in Newcastle at this moment. I think the current that under current that runs under all those is that we've definitely got an issue and questions about players, especially those twenty six, twenty eight who are moving to Saudi Arabia when you probably should be playing a trade in in, in you playing Champions League football. Yeah, and look like. And I'm all for Saudi Arabia trying to grow their league and, and, and trying to, you know, make a name for And look, on, on who are we? Stage. Who are we? You know, we're sitting here. If somebody offered us four million to go and play in Saudi, yeah, I'm pretty sure that we would take it. But um, I don't know. I think, as you say, some of those players on that list, 22, 26, 27, 28, 
you've got your careers, you'll do Saudi when you're 30 and you Ronaldo and Messi, uh, Neymar. Jordan Henderson. Yes, exactly. So yeah, I, and again, it's just that thing for me, and I know people in the comments and listening will disagree, but I'm just, I feel a bit icky when I talk about Newcastle playing Saudi, uh, signing Saudi players. Craig says, like Van Dyke, to your point about coming down from Scotland. <laughs> uh, yeah, very true. Andy Robertson, another one. Yeah, they do uh, do happen. They buy in the championship. Yeah, you've got to take the gamble. Yeah, look, look, I, I don't want to be tarring them all with the same brush. Um, yeah, so that, that's a very good point. Come on, then you've got this list of players here. You get to sit down with Dan Ashworth, and he says, "I'm going to go and sign one of them." Oh. We're not including Ruben Neves because I think we both agree we wouldn't mind him. The rest of them that we've just mentioned there, who are you picking? Um, I would be picking Gabri Vega. Gabri Vega, okay, so that would have to be a summer move, but yep. okay. One for the summer then, potentially. Right, ladies and gents, it's time for this week's trivia. Aaron, I sent you a message beforehand. Did you get it? I Have you it, opened it? I didn't open it. I warned you not it. to, but now you can. Okay. Just show me the screen to check that I've sent you the right one, otherwise the trivia. That is right. Can you zoom in? Can you? I can zoom in, yeah. Grand. So this is going to be a game of kind of play your cards right slash top trumps. You remember playing that as a kid? I do, yeah. So what I've given you there are the statistics Newcastle United's time in the Premier League, all-time statistics, okay? okay? So you have things like match played, you've got things like tackles, you've got things like offside, okay? What I want you to do, you're going to have 10 goes, and it's kind of like you've got to pick the one that, that that's higher. And I've got the statistics written down here. So like, i.e., yep. you're going to start with, what you're going to start with out of that? All, them, all the list there. And then I'll read the number out that it is, and then you've got to pick the next one. So, in a way, it could be relatively simple. So, hang on. So, if I pick goals, yeah, then I've got to. What have I got to do? Get the one that's uh, that's higher. So, for instance, if you pick goals, you cast. Are you, are you going to pick goals? No, no. I will tell you what. Okay. So, I will tell you what. I'll pick. So, I've just got to get higher each time. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, I'm gonna go for. Um, I'm going to start with... Oh, my God, this is so hard. Um, own goals. Own goals. So where we are, that is on the defence list, isn't it? Let me yeah. just see. Own goals. 38 own goals. That's a good start. Okay. It was, because I was worried you might go know, the one that's got okay, the Sorry, it took, it, took us a, it took us a bit of a so, yeah, time so to figure out Own goals, 38. So pick one that's higher than 38. Oh, God, okay. Um, We're going to go with 10 picks. So that was pick number one. I'm going to go with... Oh, this is so hard. Um, it's an interesting, isn't it? Uh, hit the woodwork. Hit the woodwork. So where are we looking? Hit the woodwork. Hundred and eighty-seven. Oh, okay, that was that was uh, hundred eighty-seven. Okay, in that sense, I'm gonna go with. So this is Newcastle United all time. All time in the, in Premier, the League. Premier League. I'm gonna go with. So I need to beat hundred eighty-seven. I'm gonna go with. Oh, this is a risk, but I'm going to go blocked shots. Blocked shots, let me find Defense it. Defence list. 1,927. Oh, sugar. Um, Do you think sorry, you can get 10? 1,927. 1, so the aim is you have to get... I've got to go 1,927, yeah, so the aim is you have to get 10. Yeah. You win, you get 10. Yeah, 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 don't get me wrong, I did not expect blocked shots to be that high. Um, 1,927 blocked shots in Newcastle's Premier League history. Okay, I'm going to go next. Fouls. Fouls, that's Last on con. disciplines. Oh, 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 my goodness me. 
2005 fouls. I mean, that is just coming under. Also, fair play to the person or people that have to sit and make these statistics and count these statistics. I love that, I love that offside is on there as well. Someone's had to count every single offside. Right, okay, so 2,000 fouls, fouls to beat. I'm, I'm loving this. This is the best trivia you've done. I am going to go for... Is this your fourth pick? This, this is my fifth pick. Fifth pick. I am going to go for... Clearances. Clearances. 16,403. <laughs> What so sixteen thousand four hundred and three oh, clearances. Well, that's, that's snooker is then, hasn't it? Um, let me just go through the statistics. Oh, no, no, okay, it hasn't. It hasn't no, it really. Hasn't. But you've got to be. But I've got to be so. I mean, I mean, I've I've wiped a lot of things out there, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. You have. Let me just double check the statistics. There's there's two you can go for to get to seven. Only two. No, it's got me more than that. Yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, no, we're there. Well, so that's so I can't get a ten now because only two left. Okay, well then, and that's sixteen thousand. Sixteen thousand oh and four hundred three right. clearances, okay, okay, and there's okay. only two of these statistics left. Why the that hell come above. clearances? Right, I'm gonna go for in that case sixteen thousand. Um, so to those listening, I mean, we've got loads of things in here. Goals, goals per match. You've got, you know, clearances, I'm head clearances. Passes. passes. Oof, that does take you out of the game. It is two, two, 220,075, 756 passes. So I'm still in the game? No, you're out of the game. That was it. How? Because the other one comes oh, was the other one? So that's the, the other, top statistic. So that one, one was aerial battles and oh, duels won. On, I was never going to pick 40,980. That was that was good that though, and I think I mean why I chose clearances so early, I don't know, but that was a that was a good one. So I'll just read through his, some of the statistics. Have you got any burning statistics you want to know? Uh, I'd really like to know um shots and shots on target. So shots have had seven thousand two hundred and twenty three shots and two thousand three hundred and seventy four of them are on target. A shooting accuracy of thirty three percent. Um I'd love to know penalties scored, please. Penalty scores, where am I looking for that in that list? Penalty, penalty, penalty. Penalty scored forty nine. Oh, okay. A lot lower than I thought. And, and then I'm 49 penalties in the entire Premier League. Mm. Christ. And then all of these are on the final list, discipline. I want to know yellow cards, red cards, and finally offsides, please. 1,629 yellow cards, and you have 1,127 offsides. You've got nearly 11,000 tackles. So the person that makes the second uh, second tackle on uh, against Chelsea, Newcastle United, will hit the 11,000th tackle in the wow. Premier League for Newcastle United. So watch out that. for that one, ladies and gents. Goals conceded, 1,463 goals conceded. Interceptions, 7,563. Uh, area battles and duels, as I mentioned, 40,980. Headed clearances, 6,218. The list goes on. I suppose the big one at the top of the list um, will give you a chance to redeem yourself. Matches played. How many matches do you think they've played? In the Premier League, yeah, um, they will have played. Oh, he's getting his calculator. No, out. I'm not. I'm writing it down. I'm gonna. They have played. Um, <laughs> That's not even one. One thousand. One and two. One thousand and eighty-four. Oh, that was that was close. Four hundred and seven wins. Three hundred and ninety-seven losses. 
Do I have a go at how many goals I've scored? In a thousand and eighty games, um, three thousand. One thousand four hundred seventy-two goals scored. Goals conceded. One thousand four hundred sixty-three. So Vanelli joint and joint, and just finally two hundred eighty-six clean sheets. Wow. There we go. Good one, Matt. Enjoyed that one. You can uh, do that at home. Uh, dear listeners with your family and friends and that was the trivia I think Aaron did alright there actually he got to 7 so not too bad at all looking forward to next week's trivia I've been Andrew Musgrove he's been Aaron Stokes this has been the Money Show and everything is Black and White Podcast thank you very much for tuning in please like, follow and share the podcast among your Newcastle United supporting friends and family and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news <laughs>